You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our readings from Roman 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit he has given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It is great to be here with all of you again. As Ben mentioned, the last time I was here was in 2018, and I remember that visit very fondly. Uh, Lots of things, of course, have changed uh, since then in our world, but as Ben mentioned, one of the biggest changes for me is that since that time, I have become a dad. I now have a three and a half year old and a one year old. And in many ways, I feel like a different person from the last time that I was here. The shape of my daily life has changed. I now have these two little beings that I have to focus on. I'm far more tired. You know, it's that sort of thing where people come up to you at church like, Pastor, did you not sleep well last night? Or do you have allergies? And I'm just, no, this is just how I look now. This is just life. But I also find with, with the advent of these children into my life, I've grown a little bit more reflective about life and uh, change and what kind of change is possible in life, who I am in this life. Now, before I became a parent, I thought I would be a good parent, certainly a kind of above average parent. I didn't have any delusions about being perfect, but I thought I'd be a little special. You know, just a little bit above normal. Like people would see me with my children and their eyes would get just a little bit wet as they smiled and thought, wow, look at that devoted dad and his love and joy for his kids. They would just see me. I'd sort of have a glow around me with my children. My girls, I would say, are two of the greatest gifts I've ever received in this life and they have brought so much joy and sort of new meaning and purpose to my life. But actually being a parent now has revealed to me that I am not nearly as awesome as I thought I would be. I used to think that I was patient, and now I just realized that for the first 32 years of my life, nothing ever really tested my patience. The gift of these girls has made me what I am. I I am a father now, and it's also revealed to me on a daily basis how far I still have to go, because I always want to be more from them. Not from a sort of sense of external duty, but just because I love them. I want to try to be more, try to be better. 
And while some change has come, it's come typically not in the ways that I would have expected. I felt like this journey of parenting has, in many ways, been both parallel to and part of my considerations of the Christian life. So today, let's start not with my life again, but with the Apostle Paul's life. As he looks back on his life before encountering the risen Christ, he thought that he had done great. When you think of a passage like Philippians 3, when he lists all of the reasons he had for confidence in the flesh, that's what he calls it. He looks at it and he says, who I was and what I had done were all reasons to take pride in at that time. He thought he was excelling at both life and religion. But then a strange thing happened. He meets Jesus and his life has changed. And for Paul, it was nothing less than a death of his old self and a new life being given to him in Christ. And in receiving this gift, he realized that he didn't receive it because he was worthy of it. It wasn't his worthiness. Indeed, he realized quite the opposite. In light of this gift, he could see how far he was from being worthy of it. I think this revelation helped him to write things like today's reading from Romans 5. As Paul explains, we, all of us, start in a place of unworthiness. We are, each of us, rightly labeled weak and ungodly, sinners and enemies of God. You can never claim that sort of Paul goes easy on people. But he applies each one of those labels to us as he's seeking to answer the questions, what is God's love and who is God's love for? Paul says this is what God's love is. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Of course, if you've been in a church for very long, and especially a church like this, you'll be familiar with this claim that Christ died for sinners, for us, for people who are not worthy of God. But what Paul does here is he goes far out of his way to underline that there is a total absence of human worth. There's nothing that we can put forward to show God that makes it reasonable for him to give his son for us. That is, there is an absence of human logic for why Jesus Christ would do this. Paul goes on to acknowledge that, you know, a person might make a sacrifice for another person if they are of a particularly high quality. But the very opposite? What would you do for someone of the very opposite stature? The ancient philosopher Seneca gives us the kind of received wisdom of this time period. He says, if a person is worthy, I shall defend him even at the cost of my own life. If he's unworthy, I will do what I can to aid him, but not at such a cost. This is a very rational way of thinking. Think about it now in our own lives. If my family member or clarify that. If some of my family members or some of my friends are struggling, I would do almost anything for them. But, you know, the, the person begging on the street, living in a town that I'm not even from, you know, I'm a little bit busy. Maybe if I have time, I will buy them a burrito, but that is the, about the extent of my love for them. Our human love, Paul gets here, it draws us to take care of and to love the right kind of people. And that's natural. It makes sense. Deeply motivated human love is directed towards the other person because they have worth to us. But Paul says that is not how God works. In fact, Paul celebrates here the absurdity of Christ's death. He says this is how he loves us. He loves us when and because we are unworthy of it. 
And so if we say that human love is motivated, we could say that God's love in Christ is completely unmotivated love because there is nothing in the object to which it's directed, something that we can appeal to, to try to explain this love. And now we can hear this and think, man, that is really negative about us humans. That is an extremely pessimistic view of who we are before God. But I think Paul says something like this and his response to it instead is to say, praise God. That is a good thing. That is a freeing thing. We don't have to be or feel or make ourselves lovable to God to trust in and to be confident of his saving love for us. God's love is its own motivation for God's actions towards us. So in other words, if we ask, why does God love me? We don't have to provide reasons from our life or our identity or anything that makes us who we are, because as soon as we start doing that, you realize that is a very shaky foundation to step on. Instead, all we do is we point solely to God and say, he loves me because that's who he is. That is who the gospel has revealed him to be. As Martin Luther put it, and I'm, I'm Lutheran, so I feel like this is my, my duty to do this this morning or whatever time it is. Luther said, the love of God does not find but create that which is pleasing to it. The love of God does not find but create that which is pleasing to it. You are pleasing to God, not because you've made yourself so, but because God has made you so in Christ. And he is a far better creator than you or I could ever be. And it's this kind of love that gives Paul confidence for the future. If we who were sinners have been made, with, made right with God by God, we can trust even more that God will save us in the end. Now, so far, I think that's probably all okay. But if you spend uh, much time in the New Testament, even in Paul's own letters, it can feel at times like we get this gospel rug pulled out from underneath us a little bit. Because sprinkled throughout the New Testament, there are statements about how we are meant to walk in a manner that is worthy of God. And we're, we're called to bear fruit and to do good works. And in a few places, we're warned that we're going to be judged according to our works. And it's all enough to make you think, wasn't the whole point that we are actually unworthy of this? What is going on now? We may worry, you know, do I need to become increasingly more worthy to remain in God's love? But positively, we may wonder, is there any hope that between now and the end, I won't always feel trapped in the same sins. Is there hope that I can actually grow a little bit? Here is what I think is key for Paul. The source of our new life, this new life that we have in Christ, the source of that new life is always, every day, the gift of Christ for the unworthy. This is a gift that reorients our lives and our desires, but our life is always dependent on it. It's not like God is the parent who gives us a push start and then expects us to take over the pedaling. Instead, it's his grace for the unworthy that remains the source and power of our lives in Christ from day one to the end. I want to go back to parenthood uh, just for a moment. Just as the gift of parenthood has revealed to me how deeply flawed I am, and I've learned some things about me that I never knew and I kind of wish I could go back and just not know them again, as much as it's done that, it's also created the desire for something better in me. But there's a distinct shape to this longing, this longing to sort of be better. And that distinct shape, I think, rhymes a little bit or, or coheres with the Christian life. First of all, I know that this is my identity. 
I am a parent. I am a father. I'm not working towards that identity, but I rather I'm living in it. It's this identity that's given to me by my relationship with my daughters. And it's in that relationship that I try to figure out, how can I grow here? How can I try to be more patient? How can I focus less on myself and more on my little girls? It hasn't been magic. Again, if anything, it reveals to me how deeply in need of God's mercy and spirit I am for the very smallest of changes. But I take solace in the fact that my identity precedes my actions. I am a parent. I work from that identity that's been given to me by this relationship that I have. Second, my wife and I like to kind of joke but also seriously remind ourselves of the grace of each new day. You don't think that you're going to become a parent and and reach for your parenting life verses from the book of Lamentations, but then you get there and it it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the one verse that everyone knows from Lamentations is sort of the thing that we have to write on our hearts every day as parents. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Just as each new morning in my home is a kind of reset, it's a chance to try not to relive whatever frustrations may have dominated yesterday, but instead to try to love one another and to forgive one another, to move forwards and hope. So on an infinitely greater level, we believe that God is graciously disposed towards us each day. No matter whether you feel like you've gone backwards or forwards the day before, the hope of each day is the hope of grace. God's mercies are new every morning. Every day when you wake up in faith, you don't start ahead, you don't start behind. You just start in grace. That's the greatest hope that I have in my Christian life. God has made me who I am by his grace. He's given me this relationship with him in Christ and by the Spirit. And every day within that relationship, he is directed towards me in his love. And so the source of this new life is always, ever and only, the gift of Christ for the unworthy. And it's that grace alone that has the power to recalibrate our desires and to move us towards God. Because we learn to say, I am a Christian. This is my identity. My life has been reoriented around Christ, and I seek Christ not to make myself a Christian, but because I am one. I look to him alone for hope, worth, and identity. Not to myself, but to him. It seems to be the case for me as a parent that when I'm trying to force things less, when I'm not trying to make everything be the way that I want it, those moments are when I'm most likely to hear those spontaneous, I love you daddies, you know, the sort of thing that just just catches your heart. So when I'm not focusing on myself or my plans or my projects of self-improvement, when I let go of myself and my desires and trying to make everything be the way that I want to, and I'm just with them, that's when life clicks into place a little bit more. And I think the same thing is true for my life as a Christian. Whatever progress ever happens in my Christian life has come not through all the ways that I thought it would, not all the ways that I plan. It's only ever come through being captured by the gospel. When I focus on Christ, I hear the gospel. I hear the message, I love you. I hear the declaration of Christ's own worth being given to me. And I hear the joy of grace. So I think this is what Paul's trying to get us to see, that yes, this gift can recalibrate our desires. It can turn us to desire more, to seek to be better, to bear fruit, to do good works, to walk in a manner worthy of God. But he wants us to know that from beginning to end, 
God's love for you is unshakable because it depends not on you, but on him. And his grace will always be sufficient for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.